0: Father, we just come to you this morning. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. We lift your word. We magnify your name. We believe, Lord. Therefore, we speak. We speak healing to everyone who is not well in their body. Right now, Lord, to the child who is in the ICU, you will not die, but you will live you will declare the works of the Lord. Be healed and be made whole in Jesus' name. And everyone in the body of Christ who is down with any form of ailment, I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and I cancel out every work of the enemy. I rebuke the fever, the infection, whatever it is, and I speak healing in Jesus' name. Apu Lord, Jacinth, Abel, Rihan, Anjali, everyone, Lord. I speak healing, Lord. Speak healing into the body of Christ. No weapon that is formed against us will prosper. Every lying tongue that rises against us in church when we condemn it. Healing is the bread from the Father's table. And we receive it by faith, For Brother David, for Pranit, O oh Father. Everyone, we receive it, O oh Lord. Oh, Father, we just thank you, we just thank you. Now We surrender our minds into thy hands, O oh Lord, for the ministry of the word, for the renewing of the mind by the word of God, Lord. Speak to us, continue to speak to us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. We go back to Nehemiah, chapter 7. Can you hear me? And uh, where's one? Yeah, it says, nine seven one itself, it's showing. Today's the 23rd. And this was the day one year back we started our <laughs> pandemic service. <laughs> Lockdown service we had begun on 23rd March morning after the Sunday service previous day. And we are still here one year later. Then it was when the wall was built and I had hung the doors, when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed. Right, yeah. Let's read after one. Yeah, one, two, three. We'll read, yeah. That I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani and Hanania, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. Then I said to them, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at his watch station, another in front of his own house. Right? The walls are done after the walls were done and the gates were hung. That's verse one. After the wall was done and the gates that's when you, you are high on adrenaline because you completed your task. Whatever it is, apply it to your own lives. You had this great victory. It's done. It is finished in spite of all the trials, the testing, the opposition, everything that was against you. You finished your task. And that's when usually we relax. We relax. That's usually when we relax, but that's when we should be at our guard. There, when he had hung the doors, when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed. Basically, the gatekeepers are the gatekeepers to the temple, not to the walls of the city. Those are others, the gatekeepers. So you need to realize what is the whole purpose of building the walls and setting up the gates, and what is the proof, the walls, because for them it's a physical thing. For us, it's a spiritual thing. one year, we've been building, right? One year is up. It's our first anniversary of the lockdown, right? Right. (laughs) And we've been building walls, we've been building walls, we've been building walls. But what is the whole purpose of it? Or what is the proof of it? That's what we see over there. The first thing he does is that he appoints people to serve in the temple. The gatekeepers, the singers, And the Levites, the worship has to begin. Praise and worship has to begin. That's the proof. The walls are up in a house, in a church. Okay. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47, the New Testament principle. There it is, of course, the new Jerusalem is being built. Okay. This is the new Jerusalem. The picture on earth is the church. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And what happens? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread, in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Okay, if you look over there first, you will see is that there is the building of walls through doctrine. The walls are being built through doctrine. They have come out of the wall. The walls are up. Doctrine is what keeps the world out. If we do not have doctrine you wouldn't know what is the world. Okay, please remember. When we talk about, usually when we talk about uh, Babylon, the great, and Babylon, when we look specifically into the new covenant and we use the term Babylon, the Babylon is not primarily the Gentiles. Because Babylon is called an adulteress. Okay, and uh, the Gentiles cannot be an adulteress, because they are not yoked with God. Okay? So it is somebody who claims to belong to Christ. Claims to belong to Christ. So it is a church that has broken down the walls and has gone into the world. The world has come into the church. That is why you will see, you can preach about anything. The minute you start preaching against the world, church gets very unhappy doesn't matter matter okay do not love the world or the things in the world when john says in 1 john remember he's if you look at the letter carefully he's writing it to the children he's writing it to the youth and he's writing it to the fathers all three even if those who claim to be fathers in the kingdom of god spiritual fathers very mature are also can be tempted and fall into the world like demas went he must have been one of the fathers with Paul. So remember the warning is, that's why doctrine is so important and the walls are up. But that's not enough. We need the walls of doctrine. We need the walls of fellowship, which is accountability. And we have this constant soul searching, which is uh, the communion table. And there it is this unity in prayer. Okay, And much of the prayer is basically to protect us, lead us not in temptation, deliver us from the evil one, because he's the one who rules over the world. But unless we keep teaching, the, the truth is that you take an average Christian; he does not even understand what the world is. You wouldn't know the world unless you you, you identify the world in you. You identify the world in you. you no, know? identify like last night we were having a conversation like at home because David is there, and this conversation I've had a thousand times with thousand people because our idea of Christianity. It's received knowledge. It's not scriptural knowledge. Because there are two pictures. One is Western civilization. The other is Christianity. We confuse one with the other. And much, almost, almost much of Western civilization as we see it today has got nothing to do with Christianity. It has got to do with Greek and Roman culture. And the world and materialism has come in. And we sell it as Christianity. And the people in the church is absolutely confused. You will be only confused if you know doctrine. If you only know doctrine. And some of our major struggles as that, we are not fighting the world. We are not fighting Satan. We are fighting God. For anyone who is a friend of the world, God becomes his enemy. And believers don't, even good believers do not know they are fighting God. And they think why nothing is working out for me, Lord. I do this, I do this, I do this. But you don't understand the very doctrine you have received. is the doctrine of the world. And I will fight it till your last day. Because that's what Paul says. I have, I have made this vow to present you as a pure virgin unto Christ Jesus. Separated completely from the world. That when you go into the world, you will know and the world will know that you don't belong there. Okay, so that's what is happening over here and you will see as a result of it, fear came upon every soul, which is something which is rarely seen in the church. Verse 43. Then you come to verse 44, 45. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They are separated from the world and united in Christ. They sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. They continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and so How does verse 46 happen? Because the world is not there at all. When the world comes in, people won't do this. They won't do this. When the world comes in, they won't do this. Because the world doesn't do this. They won't do this. Until we break down this idea about the world. Okay? This is not going to happen. But what is the end result of it all? What is the end result? The walls and the gates have been built is that, verse 47, they were praising God. There is genuine worship there. Genuine worship is a result of the world being kept out and the walls of salvation and the gates. You there is praise and worship there. And and, Everywhere, all the time, they're praising God and worshipping. And the Lord is able to add to that church. That is the key. And that is exactly what is happening over here. And Peter will say, God has saved us from darkness to light to declare his praises. But honestly, if you meet an average Christian or more above average Christian or a good Christian, where do you see praise? All you hear is complaints. All you hear is complaints and their problems. You know why? Because of walls. That's why we are not looking at Nehemiah building a physical wall. We are looking at the spiritual application of it. Is Why is that we are a generation who has so much and we pray so little? We have so much and yet we are so unhappy. Why is it that? It's because we haven't separated ourselves from the feelings of the world, the aspirations of the world, the agendas of the world. Uh, If you ask any average Christian or average Christian family or parents for their children, their dreams for their children or dreams for themselves. It's no different from any average person in the world. Of course, they will use very nice words by saying, I have surrendered my children to God and let the Lord call that child. Immediately you will see them pulling them back. You know, when they are really willing to surrender their child to God, is when the child goes amok. When the child goes out of the way and is a, practically a reprobate, then they will say, Lord, I surrender. God said you could have done it in the beginning. Okay. So that's what the Bible is talking about over there in Nehemiah chapter 7. What is the whole point? What is his whole point? Okay. You will see, I hung the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers, the Levites had been appointed. Okay. If you look in the world, okay, in the world, in the kingdom of God also, we look up to gifted people, the talented people. Even in the church, a lot of people may have gifts of the Holy Spirit or natural talents, okay? Like those who can sing and play instruments, who have a good voice, or those who can teach others, okay? What happens is the others feel left out. But in the kingdom of God, you can be greatly used. You have, if you have three qualities, which we see here. The first is, he was faithful. The second is, he had the fear of God. And the third you see in 619, the last verse. Nehemiah 6 and verse 19, the previous last verse before it begins. It is that Tobias sent letters to frighten me. You are fearless. You are not intimidated. You are not intimidated. Okay, because if you are intimidated, then it doesn't matter. All these things, you know, you will buckle under pressure. One, you are not intimidated by the world, the pressure of the world, the threats of the world. Second, you are faithful. Third, you have the fear of God. Now when we use this faithful and we know scriptures so he is faithful and little things will faithful and all that and God takes it. But let us use another word so that we understand it better. <laughs> because then the meaning suddenly becomes even more clear. Let us simply put the word dependable. Let's we have people sitting here. Can your husband describe you as dependable? Can your wife describe you as dependable? Can your uh, your parents describe you as dependable? Can your employer say you are dependable? Can your church say you are dependable? Can ultimately God say, I can depend upon you? That's a simple question. Faithful, we immediately make it into a very religious stuff. Simple thing is dependable. That is a real meaning. Can you be depended upon? Two days in a row. Can you be dependent upon? No, that's the reason. Mary had many sons and daughters. Bible says, but when there was a crisis, she came to Jesus, right? She had one son she could depend upon. So she came, son, they have run out of wine, wife, because uh, years of experience. You can go to this kid. This kid will do it. He's dependable. You tell him something to do, he will do it. He's dependable. That's the question God is asking. Turn with me to uh, Genesis thirty-nine and verse 6, and then verse 22. This is a slave in an Egyptian house. This is Joseph. We know about it. God was with him. He prospered everything. That's not the key. Verse 6. He left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. What does it mean? Absolutely dependable. Think about it simply. Can you be given complete charge and the person who gives you charge doesn't have to worry at all? That's what God is talking about. This is a young Hebrew slave. Young Hebrew slave. But these are keys to reigning in eternity. Completely. The master did not even worry about it because you know what this guy? This guy is dependable. Absolutely dependable. He knows what to do. Like uh, he knows what to do, he knows how to do it, and I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. If you turn with me to verse 22, he's thrown into prison. The keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand. All the prisoners who were there in the prison, whatever they did there, it was his doing. Completely dependent on another situation. And we don't realize these are issues. These are things which God looks for. And some other the reason why believers struggle because God says, "I'm working out something in you, your worries are not my worries, <laughs> okay it's like a child rolling on the floor because he wants something and the parents are least bothered because they know his worry is not our worry. We got you. You are not going to get you away with me. And sometimes we don't realize we are just adult children throwing tantrums with God and God says, I chose you for something else. You are not going to get your way with me. I will work in you until I can prove you are dependable. You are dependable. And the problem is we struggle with it. Like look at this young man. The Egyptian master commits his entire household into his hands. He is dependable. How can you be dependable is because you have known the heart of the master. That's the key. You are not somebody who just does what is told. You also know what is the intention and you go and do it. After that, you don't need supervision. If only you do what you are told, then you have to be told. That's why Jesus ultimately tells, I don't call you servants anymore. When you are servants, he told them, go here, go here, do this, untie the donkey, do this, this thing. But now he says, you have understood. Now I don't have to tell you. You know beyond. You are dependable. Okay, You are dependable. And that's what God is talking about. Because the problem is this. We need to be dependable, faithful. We need to have the fear of God. And not the fear of man. In Matthew 10 and verse 28, this is what Jesus said. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell, right? Fear of God and love of God are compatible. They're both different sides of the same coin. People will say, no, no, like I remember once preaching the whole crowd of missionaries (laughs) up there in the mountain, they are from all over US, Malaysia, everywhere, I was preaching. I started preaching about the fear of God. And the senior missionaries got very offended because say in the new covenant we don't talk about the fear of God. So was asked of ask which Bible do you read? Okay. Because they only talk about the love of God. Okay. Okay. And this is this is the whole thing. Okay. He says you need to fear God and you need to love God. Okay. You need to fear God and you need to love God. And if Every, every child who had a tough father understands it very well. I understand it. I feared my father when I was small and I loved him too. And there was no contradiction. I used to get a whooping of my life practically every day or every second day. But that didn't mean I loved him any less. And everybody understands that. Yet when it comes to God, he's just a wimpy little soft-spoken old man sitting on a throne kind, only hugs you and never disciplines you. But this is our problem. okay? And that's what the Bible says. Okay, People who are fearless when it comes to the world because they know the end of the world is your body. And after that, they can't do anything to you. Death is their end. But after that, there is somebody who can deal with you and smoke you forever. Right? So you fear him, you do not fear man. The second thing is that you are dependable. You are dependable. And that's what God is talking about here. Are we dependable? Third thing. Let's go to 7-3. That is, he has been put off, okay. I said to them, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened till the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Like I said in the beginning, 52 days, it's a huge, what nobody could do for years together, suddenly you did it. You're at the peak. And a great victory. And that is when we take our guard off. Guard off. Okay. Because you have to watch and guard what you have built. (laughs) Ultimately it is talking about the home and the church. It's Warren Wesby who said every Christian generation or Christian ministry is one generation away from destruction. God's purpose has to be guarded. Okay, in the last hundred years, churches seminaries, and Christian publishing houses, all that once faithfully believed and proclaimed the truth, no longer do so. You know, eh? Because we fail to guard the truth. We fail to guard the truth. The walls were down. The walls were down. And as an individual level, as a family level, as a church level, we have, what are we guarding ultimately? We are guarding the truth. Okay. What do you know? And we need to understand when Nehemiah is talking about how does it apply to you and me? What are we watching? Why are we watching? Why should we watch? Why should we so, so careful about watching our lives, watching our homes, and watching our church? These are the only three things we can do. Beyond that, we can watch. Wherever we go, we watch ourselves. Am I walking in the truth that is revealed through Scripture? Second, am I watching over my home? Second, am I watching over my church? Why? Because... Watching is you will not we will not understand why God is so so gung ho about watching our lives if we don't understand the principle of stewardship. Just want to look at it. Psalm 27 verse 1. Or oh, 24, 24, not 27, 24, verse 1. The earth and its fullness. Yeah, 24 verse 1. Okay. The earth is the Lord's and All its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. First we need to understand, everything in the earth belongs to God. Deuteronomy 10 and verse 14. 10 and verse 14. Indeed heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, and also the earth with all that is in it. Leviticus 25 and verse 23. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land which I give them, yeah, 25, 23, yeah. The land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. See, the land is yours, not yours, it's mine. We may say, my house, I bought it and go to the registrar's office, register, and all God says, you know what, the land is mine. And you're just pilgrims over here. And In Job 41 and verse 11. Who has preceded me that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine. Okay? So, only when we understand ownership, then we will understand stewardship. Stewardship. That's why you always always, you know, it is easy to mess up something that belongs to you, that damage is yours. But we have to be careful about things that belong to somebody else because God watches that. Especially the houses we rent, the things that we borrow. You know, I always tell you, take one of my books, put a cover, read it and give it back as far as possible. Don't break its spine. Just don't bend the pages. Put a marker or a bookmark in it because it's not yours. As simple as that, it's not your book. And this has to last a lifetime. But people don't do. They break the spine. It keeps Pull the pages off and give it. You know what happened. You read the book, but you didn't understand the principle of stewardship. Because principle of stewardship is when you have something that belongs to somebody else, be very careful about it. Not because of the honor. Because God is watching you. How do you handle somebody else's property? Very, very careful. And we need to realize this entire universe, including we ourselves, belong to God. And that is why it is so important that we watch What belongs to somebody else. My life is not my own. My home is not my own. And God has committed all this to us for a season. And ultimately, you know what? We are going to be judged. You know what the judgment is all about? It's about stewardship. We are going to be judged about stewardship. First, our own life. Second, our homes. And third, our work in church or outside. We are going to be judged about stewardship. And why should be very, very careful, very, very careful and be watchful? Because there is a fellow, the Bible says, who's a thief. Who steals and who comes to kill and to destroy. He never sleeps, and is forever looking for an opportunity. That is why we have to be watchful. And two times in the book of Job, you know, when God asks, where did he come from? He says, from roaming the whole earth back and forth. He's forever roaming. He's forever looking for an opportunity to see somebody who is not watching. He kills, he steals, he devours, he destroys. And therefore, God says, God, watch. God, watch. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20. Okay, Oh Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. Guard what was committed to your trust. You know why we have come to this point? Because down the ages, the church elders did not guard what was committed into them. They did not guard. And the world came in and stole and messed up uh, the doctrine of Christ. So it was mixed up with the world. And he's telling God what was committed to your trust, avoiding profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called a knowledge. Okay. The world will come in, will keep on coming in, bringing in all kinds of stupid things over there and try to mix with the word of God. The word of God has to be pure. It has to be clear because it is talking about who God is. You don't bring the world in. So he's saying God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14, again he will tell him, Hold fast, which means God, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, entrusted it to you, keep or guard by the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And that's what we talked about yesterday about, value. Today we are talking about, do we guard what we value? Of course, in the material world, we guard everything that we value. <laughs> Scratch on the car, boy, how upset we get, a tear on a dress, you no. Know? But messed up doctrine and messed up ideas about God, we don't bother. And that's what the Bible is talking about. Guard it, what was coming. Keep it by the Holy Spirit. In Proverbs 4 and verse 23, another very well-known verse, says, Keep or guard your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. The devil is after our heart and is after our mind. Both these two things, he will be after. If he cannot get your heart, he will go after your mind. But if he can get your heart, then it doesn't matter how good sound you are in your theology. Because he knows God wants us to love us with all his heart. So if he can get God, he says, guard your heart and guard your mind. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. God, he says, watch God. Guard your faith. God, when he here is talking about faith, it is not talking about the way we usually understand. It is talking about the fundamental doctrines of Christ. Faith has two meanings. When we say of what faith are you, we'll say we are Christian. Meaning fundamental principles of Christianity. And that's what. So the first thing we need to do is the Bible says, Why do we build walls? Why do we hang strong gates? Because we are guarding. Second thing, Jude 1 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to these saints. Every generation has to fight for it. Fight for it. You have to fight for it, to preserve it. You have to fight. That's what happened to Jerusalem. All the walls were done, everything is gone, and worship has stopped. Okay, worship has taught. We have to guard. We have to fight for it. And not only that, the third thing we need to do, Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, right? And the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. It has to be passed from generation to generation, generation to generation, okay? Like simple things, when you pass it on, be very sure that you pass it on and they receive it correctly. Like if you look at Nehemiah chapter 7, now we are we're not going there right now, and you look at the parallel record of the people, the diaspora who came back from in Ezra, you will see mistakes. You know why? Because the scribes who were writing there got a few things here and there, mistakes. When they are writing the names of the people. They were not very, or it were down the centuries, or here when it has been passed on, you will see a few names being spelled differently. Because they were not very careful very careful. The scribes were not very, very careful, right? If you look at my certificates, if you look at my certificates, my class 10 certificate and my class uh, undergraduate certificate, you will see suddenly there is one spelling that is extra in my name because the fellow who was in the university writing my certificate, it's instead of S-A-N-T-O-S-H put S-A-N-T-H O-S-H. You know that one spelling will create trouble for you if I'm in the secular realm. They will not accept that certificate. Unless I go to the university and get it corrected. And for my passport, I can only go up to the first one. Class 10 one. What tallies with that? Because we don't have a birth certificate in our A times. So class 10 certificate is what accepted as your birth certificate. So that spelling matters. One letter. Okay. If they want to come hard on you, they will say you are just class 12 pass. <laughs> And every other certificate after this fellow at the undergraduation level made that one letter, every other that follows goes with that. Because higher education you go with the next one you are coming over here. It is passed on, okay? So you realize, you know, one mistake you make. or That's why we have to realize you cannot fundamental these things. You cannot make mistakes. You mistake like the Catholic Church, which brought in Mary as a co-redeemer, that redemption is possible through. Is it passed down till today? And nobody is willing to ready to correct the error. And Martin Luther had to stand up and stop it. And therefore, they love to hate Martin Luther, though he was a Catholic priest. Right? And the the doctrine of salvation by works, that is why all the people from the Catholic Church still struggle, background, because they have been taught salvation is by works. That works play a part in your salvation. And you know what happens? It was an error that crept in because they didn't watch the walls, the gates. So the problem is, we need to be very, very careful about these things. That is why it is over there. The walls are there. Watch, walls are there. And the gates are there. And if you look at it, uh, when you are talking about the gates of a city, it's not a single door. It has two halves. And when you are talking about homes, it has two halves, the father and the mother, two people. That is where the Bible says thou shalt not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Later when we go into further chapters of Nehemiah, you will see all those who married unbelievers, he smacked them nicely and separated them. Separated them. But in his case, for the whole, the purity of Jerusalem, he did it. Now, what do you do in the New Covenant? The Bible doesn't allow it. But the Bible says, if the unbelieving spouse leaves, let them go. Let them go. What's the parallel of that in Nehemiah in the New Covenant? If they want to leave because of your faith, let them go. A God who says, until death through part says, but when it comes to faith, fundamental things, which is the salvation of your soul, where if they differ and they want to leave, let them go. Let them go. Do you want to hang on for the salvation of your body or you want to separate for the salvation of your soul? This is what God says. So we understand how important it is. So when we guard our homes, we watch Proverbs 20 and verse 11. And verse 11. Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. What does it mean? It means God says, even our children are worthy watching over. Watching over. You see, our, our major issue with parenting is that we watch our children when they are babies. When we watch over them. Why? Because we are scared they will hurt themselves. But do you know that's the time when they need least watching? Least watching. When they really need watching is when they start growing up. That's when we ignore them. They don't need much watching when they're, you know, really if you're smart, keep one room empty. And put some soft carpet over there. And put round toys, soft toys over there. They won't never hurt themselves. You don't need to watch them all the time. But as they start understanding the world, you have to watch everything. And that's where we fail. The walls are down. The gates are wide open. Gates are wide open. And you know what happens? The enemy sneaks in. That's when the enemy sneaks in. Because we take their eyes off. We take their eyes off. Because we don't understand fundamental principles about the kingdom of God and uh, what is important. We think their physical safety is so important. Their comfort is so important. We don't realize their soul is what is so important. Because you have to hear testimonies of people when they are in their middle age and all and they look back and they say how they messed their life up and until Christ started redeeming and restoring. I still remember the story of a man He says, his fall began, he says, when he was a young little boy. He says he was five or six or seven years old. And uh, he was going through his father's desk. And among the papers, he found a small little porn book. He had never known what sex was until he opened it and saw the pictures. And opened a door for him, for which he messed his life for the next 30, 40, 45, 50 years. Why? Because they were not careful. That shouldn't have been there. You know, shouldn't have been there. You know, shouldn't have been there. You know? And parents don't realize this. You know, like when I was growing up, I said when I was growing up, we always had people at the home, practically every evening. Everybody drinks. And always there would be little at the end of this thing, okay? You know, the kids are asked to clear the table. You know how many many of these kids who grow up in the house become tables because when they're taking, they take a, sip, they empty it off and they get used to it. Or you leave the cig- cigarette, but that also I did. My father leaves a cigarette but over there in the ashtray. I take it. that I liked, just to let the smoke out. Then I didn't like it and put. But that's how kids become addicts, become addicts. You know, why you did not watch. You did not watch. You did not watch over. And we do not realize you know that's why people talk about having this great ministry and bringing millions. you know if you just watch over your home and bring your king, king, kids home, God says you will get that reward, you will get that reward, and people don't realize this no, that's what we're talking about one at the city gates and uh and one in front of his home you look at look at that verse three once again, carefully, no yeah. Three, you know, another in front of his own house, and houses have no guards. Houses have. That's why I said a gate. A house has, the gate has two halves. One is the father, one is the mother, and can two walk together unless they are agreed? And the whole problem is that today to get a man and a woman to agree on parenting is so difficult. All it takes is one person is carnal, and slightly worldly, and it goes out of the whole. The whole whole thing goes out of the window. Whole thing goes out of the window. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. And parents have to be very careful about it. Because you know what? We are just stewards. We are just stewards. And we need to realize our children are not our own. Our children are not our own. We have to be very, very careful about this. Our children are not our own. Psalm 127 and verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Okay, If you go to Ezekiel chapter 16. 9 to 15 is how, I mean the whole chapter actually, but 9 to 15, will quickly read. This is how God took care of Israel and he's putting her in terms of a child. I washed you in the water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood. I anointed you with oil. I clothed you in embroidered cloth, gave you sandals of badger skin. I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your wrists, a chain on your neck, I put a jewel on your nose, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your heads. Thus you are adorned with gold and silver. Your clothing was finely. He basically is talking about spiritual. Okay, he ate pastry of fine flour, honey, and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful, succeeded to royalty. Your fame went out among the nations because of your beauty. He's talking about this because I blessed you. The whole world knew about you, for it was. Perfect through my splendour, which had bestowed you," says the Lord God. And what did you do? Verse fifteen. But you trusted in your own beauty and played the harlot because of your fame, and poured out your harlotry on everyone passing by who would have it. Instead, what did you do with all the blessings I get? You went right into the world and sold yourself to them. You became just like the nations around. That's what you did. Okay, you had you broke your walls you opened the gates wide in and you allowed the world to come in and you became not only that now look at verse 16 that's the key what does verse 16 says not only do that okay no no one second that is 2020 uh, 20. yeah verse 20 look what you did moreover you know what you did you took your sons and your daughters whom you bore to me and these you sacrificed with them to be devoured were your acts of harlotry a small matter? He says it was not enough that you prostituted yourself with the world. You took your children and prostituted them with the world. And those are my children, God is talking about. They are not your children. You think they are your children. He says, no, they are my children. I gave to them you for a season. Gave to you for a season. And there is, this is where the problem comes. This is where, this is where, you no, know, parenting is not a small thing. Parenting is a 24-7 full-time job. That's why we We need to counsel people. The first thing we need to counsel people is, do you really need to get married? Do you know what parenting is when you have a child? Do you know what parenting is? How serious a business God considers is? If you look at how God watches over us, then we will know how serious parenting is. Because you have to have a watchman in front of your, in front of your, friend of your home. No, it's it's a serious business. And this is where parents, young parents who are listening, young people who are listening, you have to come into agreement because your child has three parts. The child has a body, you have to take care of it. The child has a soul, you have to be very careful about it. And the child has a spirit, which ultimately has to receive God. And what if we start with the body, right? Think about it. Start with the body. All the days I brought up my little children up, I remember they never ate anything from outside, very rarely would not bring food from outside everything was cooked at home you know why because their body was precious it's a body that you offer to them and today you know what everything is from outside everything is from outside that's why people don't understand why i have why I have, why i have a block with food from outside it's simply because that was never there in this because that's a something which you ingrain that the body belongs to god and you cook at home at least you know it is safe not be as tasty with msg from outside but at least you know it was always safe it was always safe and it was always healthy it was always healthy okay and the clothes you bought i bought the clothes for them it was absolutely always careful always careful about what they wore you know when you have control over it absolutely careful about you know they never read a book even it was a kid's book, which I hadn't read first. Never read a book. Every book you're sitting in the ch- church library, all the kids' book, hundreds of them, I have read every one of them. Before they read, I read or I read with them. They never watched a movie unless I was watching with them. And the remote was in my hands. When the ad came, it was off. Never. As long as you had control over it. You know Why? Because you're a watchman in front of your house. See, when you have done those things, then you have the assurance, you know what, later they don't turn out to well, a Lord, like Elijah says on Mount Carmel, I have done my part. I cannot do what I cannot do, which only you can do. This is why we have to be very, very careful about it. Because once we have done our part and was very careful about these things, later if the kids go wayward, we can stand before God and say, Lord, I did my part. I watched over them. Day and night, I watched over them. I saw what they ate. I saw what they dressed. I saw what they read. I saw the music they were listening to. Kept a guard over it. If they did it behind your back without you knowing, you are not responsible for it. You are only responsible for whether you were watchful. Whether you were watchful. What you kept in your house, which they had access to, was all kosher. Was all kosher. What you kept in the fridge was all kosher. What you bought and brought into the house was all kosher. And it was not easy even to make their evening snacks. I got up and made their snacks in the evening and kept it for them. Because the easy thing is to buy from outside. So I'll make it for them. Breakfast, lunch, snack, or dinner. To see that their bodies belong to God. You know what? And that's what God is talking about. We have to and their minds more than that. Their minds. Their minds. Because the devil comes after your mind. And their heart and their heart that's the one thing one thing i was very very careful about that vacations were always with family or the church family it was never visiting places you take them out of the world the world will take their hearts away then it becomes a habit and they are never satisfied with one place it's the next one will be one setup but then it will have to be next and by the time you go through your entire lifetime you would have spent millions on vacations and what did it bring nothing a carnal pleasure But the vacations we spent was always fun because it was always with family. Flesh and blood or church family. It was always family. It was never These principles we get and we do not realize the industrialization and the commercialization of the Western culture has permeated into it. It is an industry and we are bought into it and we destroy our children in the process. And we do not realize, you know what, exactly one year back, you know what God did? The New World Order was planning on a reset. And God also allowed that to happen. He was also part of the whole thing. He shut down the whole world. He shut down everything. Shut down everything. He shut down sports. Shut down theaters. He shut down everything and locked the families in their houses. Kept under one roof. Get back to the fundamentals. Nobody complained about food. Nobody complained about what to wear. Nobody worried about their automobiles, what model. Nothing. Everything was shut down. But the question is, after the lockdown, did we learn our lessons? You know what? Most people didn't. They reverted back to the world, which was before the lockdown. We do not know in history, God gives people, I I thought the lockdown was one of the best opportunities God gave the church, not to the world, to the church, to reset with him. Go back to your fundamentals, the simplicity of life, very simple life. Don't bring the world in. Don't bring commerce in. Don't bring industry. It's all Babylon. It's all Babylon. It's all Babylon. It's all Babylon. And that's what God is talking about. And that's what's happening over here. No. And if you look at it, God destroyed Jerusalem. Because you know why? She played the harlotry with all the nations of the world. And he allowed, this is what you want? I will give you into their hands. Nebuchadnezzar came and raised it to the ground. And only the remnant came back and they were weeping. And God says, you are weeping? Okay, you will build it back. Those who don't weep don't have to build it back. They are happy in Babylon. you know. And that's where we have to be careful. After the conquest is over, we have to guard. We have to guard. When I was counseling somebody yesterday, you know, I was something. I get all these calls from, and yesterday I, I called from Australia also, asking for, you know, Australia today from Bhutan and then you know, all kinds of places. They call about asking about things and uh, talking about marriage. Talking about marriage. I said, you know what? I said, you, you. I said, you young people, because we all came through it, should be very, very careful about it, because for many men chasing a girl. And getting her, the joy is in, the fun is in the conquest. It's like hitting a hundred. Okay, once you hit the hundred, you relax. I got, it's like chasing a guy or chasing a girl. You got it, the conquest. But once you have got her and married, marriages break down because of neglect. You start neglecting your husband or your wife. Because you got him or got her. And they break down. It's exactly what happened to Jerusalem. And Nehemiah is very, very wise about it. You know why? Lives, lives fall apart. Homes fall apart. Churches fall apart. It's because of neglect. We don't watch. We don't guard what is precious inside. We neglect it. We take people for granted. Take people for granted. You know when I counsel mother, young mothers, I tell them, you know what? Your baby has come. Your baby has come. The baby needs attention. Don't forget your husband needs attention as much. Don't neglect him. Most women neglect their spouses when the baby is born. And he is wandering around like an outsider, doesn't know what to do because she is all over the baby. And all her time is with the baby. You know what? Your breakdown has begun in your marriage. These are fundamental things. <laughs> These are fundamental things. You know what? All the men neglect their wives. They neglect once they are married, got the girl, it is here, tied the tali. You are mine now, and after that they start ignoring her. I'm not interested. I got you. That was it. The, the, the joy was in the conquest. I got you. I chased something. I got it, and after that, you know what? You don't set a guard in front of your home. Of your home, the marriage starts falling apart. So these are lessons over there and we have to be careful about these lessons because ultimately I said it is all about the home and it's all about the church and that's what happened to Ephesus. Ephesus started neglecting their relationship with their Redeemer. They were doing everything. It's like a, it's like a, like I said about a, if you use the church as a woman and Jesus as the man, it's the woman who sees husbands (coughs) everything, clothes are iron, food is ready, tiffin is ready, but she actually neglects. A relationship with him. And that's Ephesus. Efficient. Incredibly efficient. Okay? Efficient Ephesus. But you know what? There is no communication. Just very busy. Very busy with ministry. Forgot the Lord of the ministry. Okay, And that's how homes become very efficient. Very, very efficient. Everything works like a clockwork. But you know what? It is just falling apart. And most marriages in the past few hundred years stayed together only because of the societal pressure. People will say, oh, our grandfather, our generation, nothing happened because your generation did not allow anything to be happened. If your generation had lived in this generation, you would have fallen apart exactly the way this generation is falling apart because the heart of the matter was still the same. There was no relationship. The, the society did not accept it. Now the society is welcoming it. So everything is falling apart. But God's truth still doesn't change. It's still the same. It is still the same. And that's what God is talking about here. Because you see, the promises are there. The promises are all there. And if you don't work on the promises, like I said, the walls serve two purposes. What is that? Keep the world out and keep the worship or the relationship alive inside. That's the first thing Nehemiah did, build walls, build walls around your home. It's not enough to say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. That's what I said, all said and done, I had the most wonderful childhood, the best years of my pre-born again life, because it was fun. Life was fun. Never had toys. The only toy I had for the first 10 years of life was one little gun which was bought on a visit to India. That was the only toy I had but games and the family was fully involved in everything. Early morning, you played badminton with your father and your mother. (laughs) Evening, you played football with your father. He also was there. The first time I saw an adult man wearing shorts and playing football was my father. When you couldn't play football or badminton, you played chess with your father or cards with your father. And you went on picnics in that area almost every week. And he taught you to read. He taught you everything. It was a family thing. It was a family thing. It was a family thing. So it was really, really fun. And you studied like crazy. You couldn't miss an exam. You couldn't drop a mark. You could get whacked out of the world. So it was fun. Home was fun. Home was fun. Okay. And you know what, Tan? Today, homes are dreary. Absolutely dreary. dreary. Poor little Sarah was running one kilometer today. Because there is no games to play. They have to run to get some exercise. <laughs> I saw them in the morning <laughs> on the road. <laughs> okay. You know? But it doesn't matter. You still can make home a happy place. Home a happy, happy place. And you know what? We allowed the world to come in. This is a fundamental problem. Otherwise, we are just learning. That's what uh, the whole thing is. No? The whole thing is we need to understand this. I heard Zakpunan say in the morning, God put two trees in the garden among many trees. One was knowledge of good and evil. The other was life. And people in the church are still partaking of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and still dying. Because Jesus did not come to give us that. Jesus came to give us life. And if the knowledge does not become life, you are still dead. Your life is dead. Your home is dead. Your church is dead. Church is dead. The knowledge has to become life. And it will not become life unless you keep the world out because the world reeks of death. If you saw and I saw the world has God sees the world, it is under judgment. You know, death penalty has been passed over this world. There is no hope for this world. It is set for the electric chair. Is going to be burned with fire, unless we see that, we will not understand it. We will not understand it. So as we close and go to prayer, what do we see? Luke chapter four and verse eighteen. Why is this so? Before we go there, just look at uh, look at uh, Nehemiah chapter seven and verse four. Then we go to 4.8. The city was large and spacious but the people in it were few and the houses were not rebuilt. (coughs) Wait a second. You mean there are no people in the city? And there are no houses? Then what are you building these walls for? (laughs) What are you wasting all your time and effort building these walls? Simple question to ask is that. What are you wasting all your time for? Right? What do you see? Zechariah eight five. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. Now it's empty. Now the houses are all down. But by faith I see one day Jerusalem streets will be full of boys and girls. But before that can happen, I need to build the walls and the city. I see by faith. I see by faith. I want to see a city full of boys and girls playing, safe. The bodies are the safe. The minds are safe. They are in a very secure environment. So you know what I'm doing? I'm building a city with high walls and strong gates. New Covenant. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. 18, no? Yeah. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To heal the broken hearted, liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. When you look into the church, what do you see? You see the poor, you see the broken hearted, you see captives, you see the blind, and you see the oppressed. Five categories of people. When you look into the church, what do you see? The poor, the broken hearted, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. Really should I build these walls and spend all my life and resource and energy on them? But what do you see by faith? Revelation 22 verse 2, 21 verse 2. The same people I saw John, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of earth from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. It is the same people who will become that one day. It is the same broken down city one day will run with boys and children playing on the streets because you see by faith you see therefore we preach therefore we keep on fighting and it doesn't matter how many people oppose you fundamentals of life fundamentals of home will never change culture will change it keep on changing fundamentals never change you will live or die by it even if you're the last man and elijah was the last man standing on mount carmel all alone and you know what god stood with him all the people The whole nation stood with the prophets of Baal. And they had all the glamour and all the ideas and everything. But God refused to stand with them. He stood with one man and one man alone. You know why? Because he was battling for truth. Battling for truth. And he said, Lord, all that I could do, I do. That's what we say as individuals, as pastors, as parents, as fathers, as mothers. We can do only what we can do. And we need to be very sure that we do. We may see nothing. While we are doing it. But we can still stand there by promise and say, Lord, you know what? I see one day the city. I see the city full of boys and girls playing. I see that one day you will do what only you can do. And we stand by that and we fight this good fight of faith. Good fight of faith. Otherwise, you know what will happen? We will be constantly eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it still brings death. It still brings death. It doesn't bring life. It only brings death. So we shall pray. Come honey. Now I hand over it to you. It's your turn. And we shall pray. A lot of people sick in the body. Our little Sarah. We need to pray for her. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. It's done. Father, we just come to you this morning. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. It's not an easy thing to keep building the walls. It's not easy to stand watch over the city day and night, to watch over our homes, Lord, day and night. This job of parenting never finishes. This job of shepherding your sheep never finishes. This job of watching over our own souls and working out our salvation with fear and trembling never ceases. Because there is an enemy who comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. He goes forever roaming back and forth looking for somebody he can devour. Spiritual sleep is not an option. Because when men sleep, The devil sows tears among the seed and he goes away. And sometimes the tears he has sown in our minds, we ourselves are not aware. They are full grown now. And we are not able to understand why we make the decisions we make. Why is it so contrary to the word of God? Because that seed was sown when we were asleep. We received ideas which are contrary to the word of God. And we passed it across us. Christian, and they were not Christian. So this morning as we come to you, Lord, we see a nation fighting for its heritage. It looks like a losing battle, but it is not over until God says it's over. We see Christians fighting, struggling in every nation practically for the freedom to worship. We see the Word of God being mocked day in and day out from every forum possible. We see the name of Jesus being taken in vain in social forums, in movies, using the name of Jesus as a swear word. We see it all happening under our watch. And we know it's because we forgot to watch our souls. We forgot to watch our children. We are guilty, Lord. And that's why we are here where we are. We neglected our homes. We neglected our marriages. We neglected our churches. We neglected the kingdom of God. When you had said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and seek His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Instead we went after all those things. And now the church is struggling. It's gasping. But you said, look unto me and you shall be healed. Yes, the snakes bit us. But everyone who looked at that bronze snake, they were healed. There's only one way back. It is through the way of the cross. Because you paid the price. A price we could have never paid. You paid the price. Not only for our forgiveness, but for our healing and for our restoration. The restoration of our souls. The restoration of our homes. The restoration of our churches. And the restoration of nations. It's only possible when we turn our back to the world. And we look forward to the cross. The world behind me sang the hymn writer. The cross before me. No turning back. Pray during this season. This first anniversary of the lockdown. Make purpose in our heart. There is no turning back. There is no turning back. Like you set your face like a flint towards Jerusalem, we too will set our face like a flint, Lord. So cleanse our hearts that be resolve, Lord, as you told the children of Israel the night they had to leave Egypt. Guard your loins. Eat the Passover lamb in haste, and take your stuff and leave in haste. That's how they left. Not looking back. They left. I pray, Father, we too will leave this world never looking back, but looking forward to the kingdom that is coming. Yes, we look by faith. People are oppressed. They are poor. They are blind. They are lame. They are broken-hearted. But we see one day The glorious city. The bride that was adorned will turn us into that one day, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us to build this walls and to watch. Watch, Lord. Watch. Nehemiah told, until the sun is hot, do not open the gates. What he meant was, until you can see very clearly. Early morning there is mist and fog. There is no clarity. Don't open the gates of your home or your life until you are very sure what you believe is true. Don't receive anything into your lives or your hearts or your homes until you are absolutely sure when the sun is bright and hot, your vision is clear. This is of God. This agrees with the word of God. Therefore I will allow it. If there is haze, if there is mist, and you're not sure about it. God says, "Keep the gate shut until I give you clarity about it." We ask for forgiveness, Lord, because we opened doors to so many things when we were not very sure about it. We took a chance. We gambled with lives, and we see the result now. A generation have gone down because the parents played with their lives when they were not very sure. We said it is harmless. But it was the poison of the enemy, coated with sugar. And we are guilty. We are guilty, Lord. And like Nehemiah, we stand in the gap. And we confess our sins, the sins of our forefathers. It's accumulated sins of many generations. And this generation is suffering like no generation. They have been blessed like no other generation. But they are more miserable than any other generation. It's because we failed them. We failed them. We ask for forgiveness. We ask, Lord, show us your ways. Show us the way back. Show us the way back. Help us to make decisions which are tough but true. Painful. But which will bring restoration. Because your word says you wound us to heal us. Help us, Lord. Help us. cleanse us, empower us, strengthen us, because when the outpouring comes, the vessel should be ready to receive it. Do not pass us by, Lord. Do not pass us by.